You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. All right, how's everyone doing? Front row's doing good. Alex, how you doing? Five? You're doing five. Double thumbs up. All right, there we go. All right, guys. Uh, Well, thanks so much for being here tonight. We're going to be in James. Specifically, we are continuing our series tonight in James chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, why don't you pull it out? If you have a phone, download a Bible. If you already have a Bible on your phone, awesome. We're in James chapter 4 tonight. We've been plugging through one chapter a week for the last several weeks. So now we're in chapter 4. As you guys are finding James towards the end of the Bible... I want to start by telling you a little bit about myself. I am not a very good neighbor. And uh, I found that out when, uh, when I got married and started moving into places like apartments and houses and stuff. Um, I do this thing where I go away and when I come home, it's like I want it so bad to just be like just for me. And so sometimes like I, I try, like I really want to be a good neighbor in my in my in the deep places of my heart, like I really do want to be a good neighbor, uh, but it's not always like my first go-to. But this last week, we had a new family move into the house across from us, and for like the last like two months, it was like really really weird. Like several different sets of families and stuff were like putting stuff in the house, watering the grass, and I was like, I don't get it. Who's moving into this house? But finally, like this young family, this this husband and wife, and they have a little daughter. Uh, they finally moved in the house, and uh, I was like, Sawyer, I have a great idea. Let's bake them cookies. And so we, we made them cookies, and we're like, we're like looking through our blinds, and we're like, oh, now, now's our chance. And so like, we ran across the street and gave them cookies, and they're like, oh, you're kind of coming on strong. Uh, that's, that's okay. The people before them um, didn't like me. <laughs> and the, the reason why uh, is it actually goes back to this one particular story. I was... Wanting to, well, I, here's the thing uh, that I'm going to embarrassingly tell you about myself and my wife, sorry. Uh, sometimes, sometimes when you're married and your wife is like, Josh, you forgot to get X or I want you to go get X. You're like, and it's like 10 o'clock at night or whatever it is. Like, it doesn't matter. You have to go get the thing from the grocery store. And so um, whether or not it sh- she wanted something or I might have forgotten something, I don't know. Uh, so I get sent over to the grocery store, and I'm, like, a little bit upset. I'm not happy to be at the grocery store. Maybe you're the kind of person that, like, goes to the grocery store, and you're like, I love grocery shopping. You're weird. Uh, so I'm, like, there, like, late, and I don't want to be there. And so I get out of my car, and I'm kind of huffing and puffing. I'm in my pajamas. And, and, which, you know, is a little silly. Um, and so I'm just kind of, like, not very happy. And I see this car driving a, driving a, a Volkswagen. And anybody that drives a Volkswagen, I automatically don't trust you. <laughs> no? Too soon? Okay. Uh, so this guy's driving, and I see that he's coming, and it's, like, just a little too fast. It's not like he's, like, ripping and roaring, like, being, like, a, a mean person. No, just like a little too fast. And so I make the bold choice in my anger to walk in front of him, look him in his eyes, and say, you are driving too fast, sir. But not with my words, but with my eyes. And so, so I kind of do like the like strut, 
and I look at him in his eyes, and then I walk past him, and then he does the roll down the window, <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I'm about to get into a verbal confrontation, and so, and so I look at him, and when I get in the, I kind of get like really intense, like I'm like, like what's up, dude, what? And so I'm looking at this guy, turns out the driver is my neighbor, and he looks, and in a very like like, he's angry, too, because I was obviously, like, stepping in front of him. It was, it was an awkward situation. He's like, hey, just so you know, if I were to hit you, it would be me having to drive you home and explain it to your wife. And I was like, it took me about when he said drive me home. And I, I was like, oh, that's, this guy's my neighbor. Oh, no. And I did this, like, thing where I looked at him. I was like, like I didn't, I didn't have a good comeback or anything. I was just like, that was, that, I don't like that. And so I just kind of like shot. I was like, okay. And then I went in and went grocery shopping. And then I came home and I had to explain to my wife what had happened. And she's like, oh no, they already don't like us because of you. And I was like, I know, I know they don't like us. And so for the last like several months, like they like would ignore us. And like, it was like, I'd be like, hey. and he'd be like, like, it was just like, it was awkward. So when I'm talking about neighboring, uh, like the first thing whenever I read neighbor in the Bible, I'm thinking about this guy and his family who like did not like me. And so tonight we're going to do James chapter 4, but it's going to be a little bit different. We're actually going to jump right into verse 11. Verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But you, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Look, I, I was judging my neighbor, and, and yes, it was uh, an actual neighbor, and and I, I got to be honest, as I was thinking through, like, my, inter, my interactions with my neighbor, man, I felt convicted. But even more so, I started thinking about the times that I'm just sitting around talking about maybe either that's famous Christians or even, like, people that I know here or people at the church. And I'm not speaking nicely of them. And, and man, I read the scripture and it's like, man, who, who am, I? am I? Am I sitting in a position to judge these people Oh, and is that right? Am, am I okay? Should I be judging people based on what I'm seeing them do? Or am I giving them grace? I think what James is trying to encourage us is to take a step back and look at the situation. Look, who is king? Who is the judge? There's only one judge. I think for all of us, I think gossip is a really huge issue. Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we want to think about it or not, and, and specifically in the church, man, judgment just runs rampant through every one of our conversations. It's, it's hard. Man, we are such a divided church. Not, not specifically FCC, but Christianity. Like, this church... Is different than the Baptist church. It's different than the other church. It is different than, like, like, we all have divided over these silly, 
a lot of times silly little discrepancies in how we want to baptize people, sprinkle or fully immersion. Like, like we have decided division over unity. And I think what James is trying to say is, look, like there's something that is so unifying to the way that the body of the church is supposed to be held up. Who are you to be judging your brother and sister in Christ? And in today's culture, it's, it's almost cool. It's almost cool to like follow your favorite Christian pastor. The, the, the people that you like to follow, your favorite Christian artists. And the other ones are booty. They freaking suck. Like, I, I started like thinking through all of these conversations that I have with my friends, with people who I know love Jesus. Yes, it's a real thing with my real neighbor. But it's, it's even real in my conversations I have about Christians. And it's especially real when I'm talking about people in my life that I actually know. Am I lifting them up? Am I giving them grace or am I sitting as a judge? This week is a big week for me in my life. Uh, not for probably anybody else in this room. Uh, so uh, I'm a big football fan. And this week, if you follow football at all, you know is the NFL draft. And for the first time ever, uh, my wife is letting me go to the NFL draft. And it is such a silly thing. Like, I literally can't stop, like, thinking about how silly it is that I'm going to go to this thing. Because, like, I'm not, like, that crazy. But I, I guess I am. And so I, I started, like, if you really think about it, I, if you know anything about football, you know this. The draft process is pretty crazy. What they do is, like, they literally have all of these college kids come to a combine where they, like, they're measuring everything, their height, their hand size. A lot of guys get made fun of how big their hands are. Like, it's like they judge them on every little detail, how fast they can run 40 yards, how fast they can do three-cone drill, how much they can bench press 220, how many times they can bench, bench press 220 pounds. Like, they go hard in measuring all of these athletes because they want to have the best athlete for their team. And it finally comes time for them to get drafted. And you have all of these different teams judging them based on physical traits, based on what they have on tape. And, and this week, specifically, my favorite team is the New York Jets. Yes, you can mock me all you want. I don't care. This week is a big week because there's all of these rumors circulating. Well, who are we going to get? We have pick four and ten. But we might trade away pick ten and pick up Debo Samuel from the 49ers, like, it's like, oh, yes, like, we, uh, all of these rumors are all circulating, and it's going to come time on Thursday when we're going to find out who is going to be on my team, but this is the week that so much is, so much time has gone into judging each and every one of these people. It's, it's an insane amount of judgment. Well, I'm going to jump back to verse 1 of James 4. Because I think it's going to help us identify how to have a right perspective in this life. This is what it says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. I don't know about you, but normally I don't resort right to murder. But I get it, James. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly 
to spend it on your own passions, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. It really goes to the heart. It really speaks directly at what, are you, what is driving you. Because I think if we're being honest, what, when I'm feeling like I want something, when I need something, if I'm angry, if I'm upset, it's because that's what I want. It's what I desire. Not necessarily what God desires, but what I desire. Psalm 23 is such a good reminder for me when I'm starting to lose sight of this. He leaves me by still waters that I shall not want. It's a kingdom perspective. It's a perspectival shift for you, a paradigm shift for each and every one of us. If you're starting to get angry and upset, man, just pause one second and ask yourself, is it, am I upset? Am I getting pissed because of something that is righteous, holy, good, true? Or am I getting pissed because of something I want and I'm not getting? Want is such a powerful thing. When David is writing Psalm in Psalm 23, he says, I shall not want. Not because he's not going to be thirsty or not going to be thirsty or hungry. He's saying, I'm going to trust fully in you. And you've all been there. If you have ever had a relationship with Christ, you've been in that place. Maybe it was at Hume Lake. Maybe it was you're surfing out in the waters. But there's these times in your life where you're so connected with God that you don't want anything else. Nothing else matters to you but that relationship you have with God. I shall not want. What's causing all these fights and arguments? It's you. It's my own desires, my passions. Picking up. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. It's clear. We can either be with God or without God. We can either be for the world and be enemies of God, or we could be for God and be enemies of the world. A lot of us, a lot of us struggle with this. It's so easy to get wrapped up. But, but what is that actually saying? And we, and we, we try to, to really nail down, well, how do we find this balance of, of being in the world but not of the world? We have all of these Christianese things that we love to say. But man, I think that we all organically understand. Are we just trying to fit in? We're trying to be like the world? Can't have it both ways. In Revelation, God says, if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. That's my, that's my fear for each and every one of us. It's not that, not that you're cold, not that you're far away from God, and that you know you're far away. It's that you think you're close to God. And in fact, 
you're just comfortable coming in here, worshiping, listening for a little bit, hanging out with your friends, and going on and living the same exact way. What James is saying is, listen, it's a total shift. You have to completely shift everything about your life. It's not okay to just look like the world, come in here and do some lip service and hope that everything turns out. God wants all of you, not just a part of you. All the sin, all the ugly, all the muck, the mire, the gross thing. God wants all of it. He died on the cross for all of it. He wants a relationship with all of it, not just a part of it. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I think one of the most beautiful things and hardest things about this relationship that we have with God is acknowledging your need for Him. Stop running away and pretending like you could do this life on your own. I'm gross. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm, I'm desperately in need of Jesus. I'm desperately in need of a Savior. What James is saying is right, you can't do this on your own. The more you try, the further you're away from God. The best thing you can do is stop running. Stop walking away. Just stop. God loves you exactly the way that you are. He doesn't need you to, to do anything or to be righteous or to be holy. He needs you to be honest and to acknowledge that you desperately need him. I'm a sinner. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a bad neighbor. I need God's grace. Just like Paul, I am Paul, when he's acknowledging all this, Paul is one of the greatest Christians to ever live. And he's like, I am the worst of all these sinners ever. I think he understood something that we try to want to run away from. We are sinners. It doesn't matter what you look like. What we can pretend to be. Desperately need Jesus. Amen? This life is too short, guys. Life is too short. A few years back, I uh, did a mission trip to Spain. And the purpose of the trip to Spain was, if you remember... A lot of people were coming from Africa on these tiny little boats, and uh, they were going to all these European countries, and we, our, our, our team was in Spain. We were helping them when they got off of the boats to care for them. We had some centers. We were partnered with an organization in Spain that was able to help them get some stuff together so that they can actually like, try to be successful in Europe. And so we got to spend, sometimes it was 30 minutes, sometimes it was a week uh, with, with these people, depended on on their papers and, and where they were sent. Um, but all the time, they weren't just able to stay there forever. They were going to be shipped all over. 
when we were there, we got to have really good conversations with a lot of them through interpreters, and some, some, a lot of them spoke English. But there's two specifically that when, when I was just in conversation with them, uh, they acknowledged. A lot of them come from Muslim backgrounds, and uh, two of them specifically had, had been, we were talking and having a relationship, and I was like, hey, like, well, what do you think about Jesus? And they're like, oh, I, 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 it's crazy that you say that. And we, one conversation led to the next, led to the next. But uh, within one of them, within an hour, asked me to baptize them. And then the other one that I had been having conversations with for like two days, uh, overheard, walked by, and, and, and I was like, you too? And I baptized him as well. And so I explained to them what the gospel was, and it was really hard because it was like, and this is like through English as a second language. And so like, it was hard, but like, I wanted to make sure they understood what the gospel was. And like, so I spent time like hammering out what the gospel was, got to baptize them in this hotel pool that we were at. And like, we all prayed over them. And then no joke, like within a half hour, they had to get on a bus and go out of there. But this life, you never know what's going to happen in life. You just don't. And I think a lot of us get so caught up with, with what we're going to do, how we're going to make money. How are we going to be able to get prestige, honor, glory, fame? We, we've, we kind of take our eyes off the prize because we're supposed to be bringing honor, glory, fame to the only one who deserves it. Amen? This life is short. And one of the stupidest things that came out like 10 years ago that I freaking loved was YOLO. You only live once. And I remember like just like thinking about it. It was such a stupid thing. And people that say it are so stupid. But it's so true. It's so true, guys, especially for here on this earth. This body, this time that we have, it's so short. How are you going to spend it? What are you going to do to make it count? Is it going to be about how much money you have in your bank account? are going to be about who you talk to. Did you bring some people to the Lord? Did you serve the church? Did you serve the kingdom? The end of this chapter, it ends by saying this in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Guys, we are but a mist. This life is so short. And I know you got a million things pulling at your attention. Desperately trying to get you to come and do this or do that or spend money here. And sometimes it's as easy as just pulling out your phone all the time. Just wasting away your life. Man, the enemy is so smart. Prowling around like a roaring lion. If he can distract you Enough so that you are left alone, afraid, unable to serve the kingdom. He has won. This life is short. 
How are you going to spend it? I hope and I pray that you realize you're not alone, that you have a, gr- a group of people that are here around you, friends that love you, family that love you. It doesn't matter what other people think. So how are you going to live? Are you going to live for yourself? Or are you going to live for the Lord? I hope and I pray it's the latter. And to end by this, uh, there was a movie that came out, and the phrase in the movie is a Latin phrase, carpe diem. It means seize the day. And it's always stuck with me. I, sometimes I just watch that movie in the beginning of the school just to reignite the passion in me that I need to seize every moment, every opportunity I have. And I know your life is probably crazy. You probably have so much going on. Whether you're in the military and they're doing some weird stuff there or you're at a job and, and you don't like your job or maybe you love your job or your school or your family is tearing apart. Man, I understand there's so much going on in life. But don't let life become so overwhelming that you forget to carpe diem, to seize every moment of every day. Not just for yourself, but for the kingdom. Amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this time. I pray that you would guide us, direct us, convict us. Lord, that we would not be comfortable with being comfortable. Push us, change us, transform us. Lord, I am not okay with status quo. I desperately need you. Lord, and and even in that, I know that I fail. I know that I'm broken. I know that it's so easy to depend on myself. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the times, for the days, even today, that I get so lost in trying to appease certain people do my job or make money that I forget that it's about you and your kingdom Lord we love you we desperately want to serve you and grow your kingdom 